Welcome to Untangling Christianity, episode number four. On this show, John and Greg attempt to diffuse destructive ideologies, unsnarl confused ideas, and discover the treasure in Christianity. This week we're discussing chapter one of Not a Fan by Kyle Edelman. We hope you'll come along for the conversation. You can be part of that conversation by leaving comments at the website, untanglingchristianity.com slash four. You'll also find related notes and links for this episode at the same place. Any thoughts off the top, Greg? I, I was going to say, like, and I, I kind of wanted to follow up from um, one of the comments you made really early on last time about, you know, I, I was kind of pro on what he said at the end of the prologue about repentance versus forgiveness, surrender versus salvation, more about brokenness and happiness. And you're like, yeah, you know, that, that there's, there's a kind of, um, it's like a program. It's like a, a, a kind of a, a theme of drama. Or a um, an orientation of drama. Um, I'm not sure if that's what's how, how much of, to of my response to chapter one to attribute to that. But I, I will say that um, my my overall sense of this, like, uh, is I, I'm not too, I'm not feeling too good about it. <laughs> um, and. <laughs> Feeling not feeling too good about the book, or just uh, the book. No, you're feeling no, too not. negative overall on the book. Yeah, well, I'm a, I'm a little. I guess I guess here's the tie-in. The tie-in is kind of loose in my mind, but the tie-in's kind of getting a little closer, a uh, little little clearer. And that is that you know before the last time when we were speaking about the prologue, and you're saying, hey, you know that part about repentance versus forgiveness, and it just it just seemed awfully dramatic, and you know, I'm this is a kind of a familiar approach uh, that I've experienced, or you you know, you mentioned you've experienced in evangelicalism, and, and I guess I guess what I'm seeing here is maybe maybe my version of that, my version of the familiar approach, and I think it is really 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 problematic, and that is that is like being so polite, I. I, I I'm hurting myself. I'm hurting myself being that polite. But and what would you um, say is problematic? What would you say is well, the core it, of the it, problematicness? Okay, so chapter one is entitled D T R D period T period R period. Defining the relationship. Defining the relationship. And 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 he talks. He gives a little story about how he's on a first date. And, and this girl kind of, you know, quote unquote, goes for the jugular with a, you know, where do you see this relationship going on the first date? And, and he, you know, beats the trail out of there because it's like, you know, what the heck? This is not a first date sort of question. Um, and, and then he, then he gives this story about, you know, uh, in your mind, picture yourself walking. I'm, I'm reading from page 23. In your mind, picture yourself walking into a local coffee shop. You grab a snack and get a drink and then walk towards the back. I skip a few lines. Jesus comes in and sits down next to you. You get a bit nervous. You say a couple of silly things in a bad prayer that turns out to be, as he says, Ben Stiller's prayer from Meet the Parents. And then, again, I'm, I'm quoting now, before you have a chance to make things more awkward, Jesus skips past the small talk and gets right to the point. He looks you in the eye and says, it's time we define this relationship. That is not how it happens. Okay, it's so that funny. Is... I drew... Keep going. I'm sorry. 
it, it kills me. I'm like, what are you talking about? What type of weird, bizarre thing are you trying to structure here? You know, I, I, I wrote down here, that is not what it happens. This presupposes, um, forms, like, tons of relational content that is itself defining of not only my relationship with God, but of my relationship with myself. Yeah, okay, so... so yeah. He's, he's, <laughs> no, this, he's, uh, no, that's... And I think... So if I... Yeah, if I were to sign... If I were to summarize the whole chapter, which is titled DTR, mm -hmm. the whole chapter is on defining the relationship, his assertion that Jesus wants to define the relationship or does define the relationship with us, and then his further assertion that I'm really questioning that Jesus really does this with people and that he really did this with people in the Bible. Now, he uses a couple of examples, and so far his his uh, track record with examples is a little thin with us, and <laughs> I <laughs> I wanted to explore that as well. So, so yeah, and as I mentioned before, I'm liberally marking up this book, so I drew a huge box around the quote that you just read. So, coming coming back to the question, though, do you think... Do you think this question is even relevant? Like, does does Jesus is Jesus or God sitting in heaven on his throne saying, Greg, you know, let's define our relationship. Is this relationship important to you enough? Are you committed for the long term? Are you gonna stick around? Or do I need to move on to someone else? Not that God I would do that. I guess God can be with everyone at once, but like I don't know. Well, Help me untangle this. I think the orientation is totally off. Totally, totally, totally off. Like on the first hand, what was, what was, what's, what's sparking with me on this first quotation. And it's, it's so cool too, that, that we both like highlighting this, like, Hmm, this does not seem right. You know, like, uh, he, it's, it's, it's so crazy. Like the previous page. So I'm on 23. If you go back two pages, and he's, he's talking about the whole idea of, um, you know, maybe this doesn't seem relevant to you. Like, what group are you in? Are you in a group of people that put a little fish symbol on the back of your car? So you assume you're already a follower and really kind of, what's this book bothering to be? This clearly, book, this book isn't written for you. And then you're, you know, if you're not that group of people and maybe you, you never bought the book for yourself and somebody, you know, bought it for you and gave it to you then maybe you're wondering if it's even relevant. And, and I guess I, I really appreciated his, his emphasis on relevance. That's a, that's a great question. How he answers it, like, I, the, the, the most polite I can be on this one is that sucked. Like, hmm. you know, it, that whole thing, and you spoke to this, you, 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 you targeted this <laughs> in our first, our first discussion, that whole, whole, um, what if there really is a heaven and there really is a hell and where I spend eternity comes down to this one question. And then a little further down in that paragraph, he writes, I believe that the reason we are put on this earth is to answer this one question. So page this question, by the way. page 21, and this question then has to be central to the whole book and everything he's doing. Right. But so I super appreciated the, the whole, the emphasis on relevance, but I guess what he, what he, somehow manages to completely ignore is that if you're sitting down in a coffee shop with Jesus, Jesus is first of all, in some way relevant to you. There's some sort of connection. And if there's some sort of connection, 
or you hope for a connection or something like that, then there's relational content that, that precedes any type of investigation on your part about, you know, what's the relationship about. So it's kind of like Jesus is springing it on me and I've got to kind of make a call or whatever. A, that's, that's crazy wrong. And then B, the idea that God is trying to, you know, get us to kind of crystallize things for, for ourselves or for God or whatever, that God is trying to get us to say, you know, where do you stand, John or Greg? Like, that's crap. God's in the job. God is constantly in the role or in the, in the, uh, in the throes of wooing us, of bringing us to God's self. The, the point of the matter is not so much that I don't know where I stand or, you know, my, I'm in a different place from day to day or, you know, I haven't really considered this question. The, the most important thing to communicate is that God is not unclear about where God is at and what God wants. And that's the basis. You know, whether that's true or not is another question. we got to work that one out, right? Whether God really loves me, whether that really means anything in day-to-day life. That's another question. But that that one is the big one. And to start any place else, it's like, man, you just brought up the whole thing about relevance, and now you're just completely ignoring it? You're just assuming that, like, why are you starting in the middle of the whole story when you haven't fleshed out anything about the beginning? It doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah, but I think where I think where he's driving with this is it's he's creating this dichotomy. And you spoke to this earlier, like why only two choices? Why not four or mm-hmm. five? Um, so I, a couple thoughts, and I wrote these down before we talked. My first question was why does it really matter? I know this goes against his whole contention in the book, but why does it really matter whether you are a fan or a follower? Like, mm-hmm. why does the distinction matter? I mean, if if God is pursuing us, then why doesn't it matter if you're a fan? Like, couldn't you be a fan for a while and all of a sudden you get hit with a lightning bolt or you put enough pieces together and suddenly you're, quote, a follower? Like, why why would it be such... I feel... I guess it's... But to me, it's connected with his deeper agenda, which is... I think this is the agenda of the whole book, which is... Are you committed to God enough? Do you love God enough? And how invested and how committed are you really? I think that's really where he's trying to go. And and for some reason, that's really important. Now, maybe, again, maybe we're the wrong audience for this book, but it it, it seems oh, like so it right. all comes down to that. Like, are you really 100% in? Which, you know, if in a relationship, that's not a... So, the, the, my, I guess I'm all over the place here, but the, the tie-in there, though, is, okay, in a relationship, in a uh, human relationship, yes, it's important to be 100% in, because if you're not 100% in, in my experience, the, the relationship doesn't tend to go as well, and it can't go as deep. So, that's a good idea. But well, let, let me cut in. Let me yeah, cut go in. ahead. Is it really? Do you really want to be 100% in, in every human relationship you have? No, no, no. So what, how does is, that relate here? Well, this is the whole thing about fan or follower. I'm a fan or follower on what basis? So where I was aiming with saying there's tons of relational stuff that precedes any type of question about my level of commitment. My level of commitment needs to be based on the nature of the relationship. It, it, like, you know, in other words, 
um, there might be times where, um, or situations for certain people where their experience of God is so minimal that, that for them to be a follower, well, hold on, it doesn't, doesn't sound like there's much going on with like your belief in God. I mean, why do you believe in God? Well, let's go back to his most important question. You know, I, I believe in God because I don't want to go to hell. Is that a good reason to believe in God? No, it's not. Do you really believe in God or you just don't want to go to hell? Well, I don't want to go to hell. <laughs> yeah, that, oh, yeah. so what do we got going on here? Really, we, we, we've got someone who is, who is kind of trying to adopt, a, you know, it, it's like, it's like saying, um, oh man, this is, this is a huge can of worms, but it's like, it's like trying to command love. You can't command love. Love is a gift. A gift cannot be commanded. A gift by its nature must be freely given. If it's extorted, it's a bribe. If it's recompensed, it's a service. But it's not a gift. If it's not a gift, it's not love. Right? Now, we can get into that. We can talk about that whole thing. But, there, there, in other words, there's no way that one's lived situation and, and uh, experience does not play into this. And if your experience is God doesn't show up, God's not really there. How would you want to be a follower? You know, you, you, one would be lauded to be a fan, in a certain sense, lauded. Maybe they, maybe someone would say you're crazy, and somebody might say that person might say back, "Well, you know, I think there are a lot of good things here, but but I don't really think it's real." And uh, you know, I'm um, as you say, you know, you're waiting for more evidence, waiting for more information. I have, I, I there's there's no sense of of engaging with the reality. That this is an ongoing process, a tough process, and um, there, there, there's so much involved. Like he's he's coming to a place where he's asking people who haven't made decisions to be people who have already made decisions, and that's ridiculous. It's just it's just, it's just incongruous. Wait, wait, right? and tangle, that sounded profound, but I'm not sure I got it. So, well, he's, well, he's he's talking to people. Is talking, you know, on the one hand, he's talking to two groups of people, right? He's talking to people, you've either got the fish-shaped bumper sticker on your car or you don't, right? If you've got the fish-shaped bumper sticker on your car, you you think this, you know, you don't need to read this book because you already got it all together. If you don't have that fish-shaped bumper sticker, then this book, you know, arguably the whole concept isn't even relevant to you. Well, he, what he's, I think what he's, what he's, pardon the pun, fishing for here, what he needs to be fishing for is what is the relevance of your pers- of your stance? You have a stance already. Fine, fair enough. You call yourself a follower. You say, you know, this whole thing doesn't mean anything. It's just irrelevant. Great. Tell me why. Okay. And 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 I think the first place to look is for inc- incongruities there. You know, there there are some people who are, you know, uh, as I mentioned, I think followers they would identify themselves as such for the simple reason they don't want to go to hell. But if you ask them much about God, you ask them much about their relationship about God, you know, um, I've certainly encountered a lot of people in churches. The content there is very, very low. Not, not just like, like they don't know their Bible or something silly like that. It's like, there seems to be nothing there. There's, there's no sense of any relationship or any kind of, you know, what does God mean to you or, or why are you, you know, the why question, the answer to the why question always comes down to, I don't want to go to hell. Well, that doesn't say anything about what you believe. It says what you want, or more so what you don't want. Right? And, and 
for the other group of people, for the people who are, who are, um, who seen a relevance, um, you know, I, I know atheists that I think are tremendously Christian people. Now, they might be insulted by my categorization of them like that, right? But, but the way they live their lives, how they treat their spouses, how they treat their kids, how they interact with people around them, how they interact with their world, I think is, is in some ways very, uh, very, very, very Christian. And so the problem is that there's a whole question, not only of where do you stand, but why do you stand there? For what reason? And th- those things, that what reason question is deeply a part of, you know, um, how you define your relationship with Jesus. And instead of just jumping into the question, where do you stand? The question is, should you stand where you do? Where do you stand and should you stand there? You know, and, and maybe some people would say, oh, you can't really judge that. Well, I think that's crap. We can judge it and we do judge it. You know, we make calls all the time as individuals about what we believe and don't believe. And uh, that's part of what it is to be a human being. So maybe he got some of the chapters in the wrong order here? No, I think he's just got the whole thing in the wrong order. How can you ask somebody to say where they stand and, and never ask them? Like, maybe he's, got a, maybe he's got why questions coming up, right? And maybe he's going to go deep into that. But my guess is not. So it sounds like we might just completely disagree with this whole chapter, but I want to kind of nail that down. I also want to see if we agree with him. So on page 27, he says, the kind of middle of the page, the biblical accounts of Jesus requiring people to define their relationship and honestly determine if they were true followers give us some telltale symptoms of being a fan. My question here is, honestly, what examples do we have of Jesus asking people if they're a fan or a follower? Um, in the next chapter, he he drills down with Nicodemus and is basically, well, Nicodemus was a fan because he was afraid to come in the day and uh, he snuck around at night, so that didn't make him a follower. Um, I probably need to reread that chapter to characterize it correctly, but like, can you, off mm-hmm. the top of your head, can you really think of any situations in the Bible where Jesus forced people to decide? Well, I don't think he, no, I mean, most of the time it's, it's, it's people coming to him, right? But there's Oh, the, interesting. The so people coming to him and then him, like the rich yeah. young ruler, like. Exactly. He's a, that, that's a, that's a classic example. The rich young ruler who is not, I think it's one of the only examples of where I can see this happening, where it doesn't deal with a religious leader. And the problem is that when you're dealing with religious leaders, like for example, if you take the book of Matthew, that Matthew has has a has a definite axe to grind against at least the Pharisees, who are not the only ones, right? But but there's a certain anti-Pharisaical bent to Matthew. But in all of the synoptic gospels, Mark, Matthew, and Luke, you're going to find that that religious leaders uh, get hammered. You know, John too, not maybe not as programmatically, but. They all think they, they get hammered. So, so it's kind of hard to say that, you know, is it the fact that they're, they've got it so wrong or is it the fact that they've got it wrong and they are so unflinching, you know, so unwilling to take criticism. And so they hold the reins so tightly that, you know, if the religious leaders of the day, like if our religious leaders now get it wrong, 
I think the ability for people who are not part of that religious uh, elite to criticize them is much greater. In first century uh, Palestine, I think that you know you you the religious leaders you, you don't have too many choices. You're with one group or you're another group. You, you don't have this kind of hey, I'm going to think through this on my own. You've got a lot of uneducated people who rely solely on the clergy, and no wonder Jesus started hammering these guys because they're they're waylaying and misleading the people. Um, whereas for us, it's not as it's not as severe that way, but. The only example I can think of is the rich young ruler, who's not a, a clergy person. You know, and even the, the, there's the example of the lawyer, but the lawyer, I think, is still kind of wrapped up with um, with the priest, priestly caste. And I, I think that's still kind of like a, it's not like a lawyer today. It's a little different. So I don't know how to, I don't know what to make of that. You know, I don't, I don't see, I don't see tons of examples would be my answer. Okay. Yeah, and as I thought for myself, again, not doing any deep research, just thinking of anything. I, 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 yeah, I, although I feel like in my past and in my Christian cultural experiences, those, like his character, characterization of the discussion with Nicodemus of the rich young ruler would be characterized in this whole, you know, are you with me or with, you know, are you with me or are you not? There's only two choices. And then we always have to throw in the reference from Revelation about not being lukewarm or I spit you out of my mouth. And, yeah. I can't believe we do that. Like, Revelation has, has got to be... Revelation and Daniel are two of the most difficult... You know, they're both apocalyptic literature and it's so difficult to interpret them and we kind of... I don't know. I think like, well, it comes back to the, the whole proof texting. It's a it's a super handy <laughs> yeah. verse for proof texting, in my opinion. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Okay, so I know I came across a little hard there. Uh, I just want to say that, the, like, uh, most of the time, I find that if something's going in a direction, I'm like, wow, this feels really sketchy. I look at the premises, and the premise here just does not hold water. That that somehow. Uh, you know, A, that there are only two options. B, that, that, that how I've come to these options is somehow not even, like, maybe he's going to come back to it later, but he should be, he should be starting with it. So if he comes back to it later, he gets some part marks, but he should be starting with, you know, what is your experience of God? What is your experience of yourself? What is your experience of your world? And on that basis, where do you stand relative to God? Somebody words, says, are you, you know, I, Go for it. In other words, are you acting consistently with what you believe? That you're suggesting that would be a better question to Are to you ask? acting consistently with what you've experienced? Yeah. If somebody says, you know, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus, I go to church all the time, and, 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 and you know, you or I might say, well, tell me about Jesus. Tell me about your experience of Jesus. Tell me why you believe. And the, the number of people that, that, that I have... You know, and I haven't been quite as often, quite as bold as to ask a question like that because people really get put on the spot. They don't have anything to say. I'm like, man, how come you don't have so, any content? So go back to that. Go. I love this. Okay, so this notion of being consistent with your experience. What would be an example of that? 
So if I if I find some guy and he's living on the street and he's an alcoholic and I get to know him and eventually he tells me his story and he says that you know he had a nice house and he uh, used to smoke and his wife told him you know you really shouldn't be smoking and and he uh, kind of you know didn't pay any attention and then one night he uh, you know he woke up and he'd fallen asleep on the couch and he uh, had been smoking and that place was on, was was on fire. And he lost his family, and he blames himself. And he's on the street, and that—that's his life. And I would say to him, I'd probably be on the street too. You know, I would not find fault with that man. I would—I would just think, oh my God, that's—that's that's so unbelievable. And here's where you are, and—and and, you know, I hear where you're—you know—and it's part of a larger discussion to say to somebody like that, and to be with somebody through a process of maybe recognizing that you know. You bore fault in this, but that doesn't mean you should be punishing yourself for the rest of your life. So, but what, how would but, that exp- how would that person be honest with their experience in relation to knowing or uh, not knowing uh, God? Well, I, I think it, it, it's it's completely parallel. So, on the one hand, uh, to say that you know I am in a place of um, destitution. Because that has been my experience of myself in my life. Versus to say, I am in a place of, let's say, you know, take a, take a different scenario. Uh, take somebody who's experienced, uh, 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 abuse in their family and they've been severely abused and they say, you know, God, God can exist. Because, I mean, if, if, if my own, my own family can abuse me so badly, the people who claim to love me can, you know, treat me so badly. How can God possibly be there? First of all, how did God let this happen? And second of all, who, who, how do I know that I can trust God? I'd be like, wow, I see what you mean. I, I, I completely agree with you. There may be more here. There may be more than what you've experienced, but from what you've experienced alone, I'd be there with you. And, you know, it's a long sort of process to be with someone and for that person to be with themselves and their experiences and to you know, continue living and see what life offers and what may be possible in terms of God. But it's, it's those starting places. Like what he's doing here is he's questioning, he's questioning where you're at. If you're a fan, there's a problem. Maybe not. If you're on the street drunk, there's a problem, right? No, maybe not. Maybe that's exactly where I would be. You know, maybe that's exactly where 99 out of 100 of us would be if we were in that guy's shoes. You know, if you don't believe in God, there's a problem. Maybe not. Maybe if we were in that other person's, an abused person's shoes, that's where we would be. Is that a problem or is that us saying, you know, life sucks and I'm still going at it? My, my, you know, and maybe the right response to both those people is, is applause. Hey, I'm glad you're still going at it. You know, and depending upon your relationship with that person, who knows what you can contribute to their good. And who knows what that can contribute to the possibility of opening a discussion about, about God, about, uh, uh, Christianity. But I guess it, it just seems to me like, um, our experience is somehow either, he just kind of slips right over it. Like it's not even there. Well, you know what? Well, what's interesting? I just noticed this on page twenty-seven. It's almost 
at the bottom. It says, maybe you've already decided you're a follower and not a fan. Well, I hope you keep reading because one of the core symptoms of fandom is that fans almost always consider themselves to be followers. So, I don't know if this ties into what you were just saying, but I I guess what this raises for me is maybe, and I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt here, Maybe he's maybe his really goal here is that people have an authentic relationship with God, and he's trying to suss out those people that have um, fooled themselves, or they're they think that by being religious and having the fish on the back of their car and going to church and uh, having their quiet time that they know God, and maybe he's trying to I don't know push them to the next level by being kind of dramatic and using you know DTR and all this other stuff. Yeah. Is there, is that a possibility or am I just giving him too I much? I guess credit? so. Uh, I, I, for me, for my money, I think that you're giving him too much credit because he <laughs> put himself out there. He, he's, he's, he staked his, he staked his, his, uh, he's driven his stake in the ground on page 21. You know, what if there really is a heaven and there really is a hell and where I spend eternity comes down to this one question. And then later, same page, little at the bottom. I believe that the reason we're put on this planet is to answer this one question. So that's not the that's not the question. It's not the right question. It's the wrong question. It's just like what do you think the, the right question expletive, is? Expletive, 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 expletive <laughs> question. <laughs> what do you the think right the question, right question is? The right question is: Does God love me? And does this matter? Hmm. Or does God really love me? And how would I know this? It's not about heaven. It's not about That's reward. pretty profound. And it's not about punishment. It's not about hell. It's not reward and punishment. That is not what this is about. What this is about is right here, right now, something that grabs you and that is the most important thing you could possibly think of. Not most important in the sense of anxiety provoking, but most important in the sense of eliciting desire. That's what it is. And so his distinction between follower and fan, if he wants to put it on the level of desire, I'd be a bit more sympathetic. When he puts it on the level of reward versus punishment, uh, you got the wrong God there. That's not the God that I read about in the Bible. That's not the God I've encountered in my life. You know, having been a Christian, having had seven years as an agnostic, and having come back to Christianity, one of the things I didn't do in coming back was to just go back to the same old stuff I had. Because I left the same old stuff because it was a lie. I'm not going to go back to it again. It didn't suddenly get sweeter or better. It didn't suddenly come come true where it was untrue before. And part of that whole thing was, yeah, it's this this reward and punishment, and and uh, you know, it's it's a lot about duty and, and all of these orientations. And love somehow just you know wasn't there. I mean, I wasn't in the position at that point, coming from a very dysfunctional family where I was able to understand and or embrace love. So naturally my, my whole perspective on Christianity was shot. So it sounds like, so as an, would you say as as an agnostic, you 
took like a big, like several steps backwards and then came back to God, but through a completely different set of doors. Sure. Sure. You know, backed away from what I had. And then, you know, without, without losing a lot of, of, of the kind of the, the things that I, I deeply believed as an agnostic. I mean, I still believe those things. Interesting. Which yeah. Is why that... I have great kinship with people who are atheists because people who are atheists say that God doesn't exist. No, and, and I resonate and with that. I... Be... Go finish with that. Well, no, I just say that's why I kind of resonate with what you're saying because I, what's dawning on me is maybe the reason I'm having trouble with this book is I'm, I'm trying to get to that end place connection with God, but I'm just seeing the same old formulas and assertions that I've seen a good part of my life that just really haven't worked out very well for me. Yeah, I, I think he's taken the, taken the same old stuff. He's got the same old basic orientations. And, you know, honestly, I, yeah, I'll, I'll just, I'll just shoot him. Uh, I, I don't want to, but I think he shot himself. So page 21, I think he's, he, he's put his stake in the ground. This is where he stands. That is the question. And as long as you're working with the Christian God with that question, you've got an incompatibility. And people who are sensitive enough and willing to walk outside of the social norms like you are, you know, you're willing to kind of walk outside of what your family thinks you should do and your Christian community thinks you should do are going to pick up on that disjunction and say, there's something wrong here. This is a problem. I wouldn't take it. You know, if, if an atheist said to me, I don't believe in that God. I don't believe in the God whose, whose sole focus or whose main focus is, is punishment and reward. I would say, I agree with you. In fact, I'm with you. I'm an atheist because I don't believe in that God either. I'm not an atheist in the global sense. I'm a Christian, but I can relate to my atheist friends because I haven't met one yet whose God, the God that they disbelieve in, I don't also disbelieve in. Because that God is the God that's put out there so often, the God of reward and punishment, the God of, you know, you better go to, you've either got two, only got two choices, heaven or hell, the God of, it's all about obedience and duty. And that, that's, that's not the God I read about. That's not the God I've experienced. And I'm not going back there. Even if I'm alone, I'm staying where I am. You know, I've, no so way. could we create a third category? Are you a fan, a follower, or a lover? <laughs> well, I, I, yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a good one. Except that I think, or, or a, or a hater. You know, where do you, where do you fall? And I think that all four of those categories are valid depending upon your experience. You know, and I'm not trying to say, I'm not trying to say by, by highlighting experience that at the end of the day, God's going to say, Oh, you didn't experience me as showing up at all. And you experienced all these bad things. Well, that's okay. I, I get it. You're right. I gave you, a, I kind of shafted you, didn't I? I'll make so, that to you. So I'll give like, you I'm a free not, pass. I'm not suggesting. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not suggesting that. But what I am suggesting is that, you know, most times with most people, we only encounter them at a moment. They are on a, a line, like a journey. But that line is filled with many moments. And where somebody is at a particular moment, 
I'm suggesting may well be valid. It may be invalid, right? There may be people who claim to be followers who, based on their experience, shouldn't be. It's like, man, all you're, all you're in here to do is, uh, like, like, you know, his point, his point in the prologue. All these people are looking for is a free meal. Well, man, if the only question that matters is the question of heaven or hell, what are you looking for? You're looking to get out of hell. Is that, is that any, does that put you in some sort of a higher place than people who are looking for a free meal? I like to eat. I have to eat if I'm going to survive. You just, you're, you're, you just got a longer term view, man. You got a long term view. They got a short term view. Seems to me it's pretty much the same thing. If, if that's the way it goes, it's the same, it's the same group of people, which maybe compounds or highlights the, you know, the, the sense of inconsistency. So I don't, does that make sense? I think so. Go ahead and resummarize your position or what you were saying, and then uh, maybe we'll leave right well, there. Well, yeah, I, I think, you know, I have, a, I have like these colors. So whenever I read a book, I'm digging out for pencil crayons. And I've got this one color that I use that almost never comes out. Some books never, ever get it. And I'm using that color on page 21 for those two quotes, quotations about uh, heaven and hell. My basic point was I don't see any, any um, difference in orientation between somebody who's looking for, looking to get their, their legitimate short-term needs met or somebody who's looking to get their legitimate long-term needs met. I'm still looking to get my needs met. It's still about me getting my needs met. So the tie-in here is that he was criticizing the people that were just there for a free meal, and you're saying, Precisely. "Buddy, you're in the same you're in the same camp that they are. You're just you're looking exactly for a way out of hell." Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, it's exactly the same thing. The only thing to his credit is maybe he's got a longer term view. But who knows? You're right. Uh, some people have a you know, hey, life's short. Uh, you're going to die soon. And, uh, I don't think there's necessarily anything terrible about having a short term view. You got to live in the short term if you're going to make it to the long term. So I'm not, I don't see too much difference. Okay. You know, which is maybe another reason to say, do you really think, you know, to, to, to draw into question the whole, uh, primacy of, of his like heaven and health thing. Do you really think that's the main, main deal? Because it makes you look an awful lot like the people you're criticizing. Mm-hmm. So what color is it and that you used to, there for those sections? Uh, that is mauve. <laughs> All right. Well, mauve we'll have is... to see. <laughs> that it's coming out. sounds like a wrap on Chapter 1. We'll have to see how much mauve comes out in Chapter 2 and beyond. Thanks for listening to the Untangling Christianity podcast. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode, so leave a comment on iTunes or at the website, untanglingchristianity.com slash four. We also welcome your questions or comments or suggested future discussion topics by email. Send those to feedback at untanglingchristianity.com. 
Tune in next week for a new episode. Music on this podcast is made available by Kevin McLeod over at Incompetech.com and is licensed under a Creative Commons license. Thanks to Kevin for his generosity. Support him at his website by going to Incompetech.com. I-N-C-O-M-P-E-T-E-C-H dot com. Incompetech.com.